Hello, welcome to VR Roundtable, episode 128. My name is Gary and joining me is Anthony, Steve and Chris. We've got the full crew here today to celebrate Index Week, I suppose. Um, so... Yeah, we've uh, basically what what we're going to do with the today's show. We have got a few uh, little news stories to cover as well uh, afterwards, but we're going to concentrate primarily on on the Valve Index, of course. And um, so Steve and I have picked these uh, the index up, um, so we can talk about that. But um, before we get into the index and that kind of stuff, uh, let's go around everybody. Chris, how have you been this past week? Been doing good, yeah. Uh, as you can see, yet again in a different place with Beat Saber lighting on my face, it looks like, as Steve pointed out. Um, but yeah, no, just doing good, moving, and uh, not much VR this week, which sucks. So I'm jealous for all the index stuff. Excited to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Anthony, how about you? I'm doing good. Same old, same old. Been playing some Journey of the Gods on uh, Oculus Quest recently. And Public service announcement to everybody out there. Use your headphones, man. It is such a difference. I played like the first level of Journey of the Gods with no headphones. I'm like, eh. And then I, I started using my headphones and I cranked the volume up and the sound quality. It just brings you into the world. Sound is such an underappreciated aspect. And good headphones are just a total game changer. Absolutely, and we can get into that a little bit more as well uh, with the index. Uh, but Steve, what about you? What you've been up to this past week? Well, index when it comes to VR <laughs> was was busy earlier in the week, and, I, and mostly because I know I wanted to carve out some index time later in the week. So I didn't play anything new. I didn't like I wasn't even focused on VR really until Thursday when I thought I might get an index, but mine didn't come till Friday. And then once I got it, I've all VR-related time has been index and nothing but index. Yeah. Um, okay, so we'll get into that. Just a, a quick mention. At the end of the show, we are going to have a little bit of an announcement, so you might want to uh, stay tuned for that at the end of the show just to make you aware uh, before you close out. Um, but let's get into the index dis- uh, discussion now. So I I received mine. I went on VR365 with Anthony uh, on, was it? Yesterday, wasn't it? Uh, no, Friday. Friday. Yeah, it was on Friday. Yeah. Um, just talking about some initial impressions with the Valve Index. There's a lot to get into with this headset. Um, but overall, I mean, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna bury the lead. I'm basically gonna say at the moment that this is without a doubt, unequivocally, the, the, the best VR experience that I've had so far. And there's plenty of caveats to get into, into, uh, as we talk about this. But overall, I will say that barring price and barring everything else, this is unequivocally the best, the best VR experience I've had uh, overall. Um, but there's a lot to talk about with that. Steve, um, because I've not heard a lot of your impressions on this so far, but uh, what, what, why don't you just go through like your initial reactions, I suppose. That's where we should start with this stuff. Well, so, you know, I have tried, um, I, I like to say I've tried every major VR headset. I've not tried them all. I'm not like uh, Voodoo DE where I have 40 headsets behind me and, and on my shelf here. But I have tried and sold many of them. Um, the Odyssey, the Odyssey Plus, the Dell, PlayStation VR 5, uh, Pimax, Index, uh, I, Quest Go. I feel like I'm a pretty seasoned uh, VR edit, uh, veteran at this point. So um, the index, I think, 
is a very, very, very good headset. Um, it is, I, I tend to agree with you now, a lot of people, and I guess the same way, not burying the lead, they, a lot of people have asked me, well, how does it compare against the Pimax? They want to know if I'm going to dump my Pimax for the index. And my honest answer is I can't, I can't say that yet. I will say that I sort of want to, though, because the index, um, it, it's like it's if, it's like a BMW or a Lexus. Like it's it's just it oozes quality just about everywhere. The attention to detail, uh, the design element, like everything. It, they they thought it through and they've tried to make the best product that they can make and 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 that shows it's very kind of the opposite of the Pimax when it comes to design and an aspect like that but uh, I'm not sure so you know we'll get more into that as as we talk about details later but my initial impression was this is a very very good uh, VR experience very high end compared to everything else available on the market uh, at least in the consumer range um, you know I'll hold reservations at things like the Xtile or the Star VR maybe in another league uh, but but so far this is this is a very good unit very yeah. pleased with it yeah, so maybe we should start by just going through some of the main points that people are going to be interested in with this headset. Um, so we've got obvious things like resolution, the optics, the field of view, and that kind of stuff. So um, for me, like the resolution was one of the first things that hit me. Um, and coming from the Rift S, it's again, it's not like it was a night and day difference coming from the Rift S or anything close to that. It was very, it was actually very close to the Rift S in terms of clarity and that kind of stuff. But I did feel like it, when you encompass the slightly, well, like quite a big field of view difference uh, between the Rift S and the Index, when you take all of that into account and the clarity itself with the lenses, it just, that, that was one of the first things that hit me. Um, like, um, I suppose it comes down to just how how the field of view is when you look in the Rift S and you go from a CV1 to a Rift S and the field of view, it just feels like a little bit, very slightly either equal or very slightly smaller. And when you go from that to the index and yet you've got this uh, greater clarity overall when you, when you go to that as well, I think that's the big difference. And that's why when I immediately put the headset on, I felt like the clarity was uh, beyond what more or less I expected, um, but it's not night and day. If you go from the Rift S to this, I think that the clarity is more or less on par, slightly better with the with the index. What do you think, Steve? I, I agree. I think, um, well, first of all, Anthony and Chris, guys, jump in. Uh, it, it, it'd be very <laughs> yeah. easy for me and Gary to get caught in a volley back and forth. But um, clarity, resolution, um, all of that is very close to the Rift S, the index, and the Pimax 5K. This is all LCD RGB screens. They all have a, a, a PPD on paper, pretty close. So you're, you're not going to see huge differences. Now, I will say compared to the index or compared to the Pimax, I think the index has a, a, a better sort of uh, quality to the colors um, more so. And it's very hard to compare it to the Rift S because I, I thought the Rift S was of the three, the highest clarity. But that's also because the Fove is so small. I was able to super sample the Wazoo out of the Rift S. Um, I have not spent as much time 
super sampling to the same degree on the index because I want to try the higher frame rate. So it, it, that really becomes a, a function of of how much time I've had this this week, and I I've, I've used it for for I don't know somewhere six, seven, eight hours. So like I've spent some time with it, but it's not quite the same as I've spent you know a hundred hours with it and have really been able to slice up all these these points. But just overall, I agree with your your point. The resolution. Um, and, and the clarity of the image is all sort of in key Rift S, Pimax 5K index, all in the same neighborhood of each other. Yeah, I'm really curious about uh, the refresh rates because that's kind of been the the most hyped up thing, and that's something I can't even like visualize the difference that that would make. So, is it is it really that big a difference, or is it actually not that noticeable? Like, what have you guys seen from using it this weekend? This, for me, this is one of the main things. So I'm hearing a lot of people say that it's not a big deal and certain things, are, they're, they're not impressing them with the uh, the refresh rates. And I honestly, I really did feel like that when I first tried it and I went from 90 to 144. I went straight up to 144 hertz uh, as soon as I got it because I wanted to see the difference. And the difference didn't hit me. It's, it just didn't. And I felt like it was more or less the same. But... When you go back now, what I did because I was I was uh, watching MRTV uh, Sebastian stream yesterday, and he was talking about how he didn't think it was that big a deal either. But I went into Space Park Trainer yesterday, and I went from eighty hertz and then ramped it right up to one hundred forty-four hertz, and the difference is there. I, and I struggled to see how anybody couldn't see the difference. Not immediately, perhaps, but when you move the gun in Space Park Training in front of you and you're ducking and you're weaving and this kind of stuff, there's something about it where it does hit you in those circumstances. Now, there's not many games that I can run on my machine, which is a 1080 Ti, that, that can actually sort of maintain 144 hertz. So I'm so I've sort of settled on 120 hertz and I find that to be a pretty good experience in a lot of stuff anyway. But quick question. Can, go can ahead, I throw yeah. in a quick question? How do you um, do you know for sure? Like, if you set it at 144 hertz, do you know for sure that it's actually doing that? And how do you know that? You you know it only because you've got. I, I run a program called FPS VR, which uh, it's like it attaches a little overlay onto your controller, so you can see your uh, your frame rate at all times, and that's why. Um, you know, I, I was checking it. I was checking it all the time anyway um, when I was testing this this kind of stuff. Um, but I, I suppose fundamentally it's not night and day. That That's the thing. It's not a night and day difference. If you're running a game at 80 hertz on the Rift S and then you go up to 144 hertz on the index, a lot of people probably won't have um, like a, a big wow moment with that. And I don't think that that is going to be the case. Um, Quick question. What's the longest gaming session you or like for both you and Steve? What since you've had the index, what's the longest continuous gaming session you've had at, at like one of these higher refresh rates? Go ahead, Steve. I, I don't know. You'd have to define gaming session. I have not played any one game for more than 15, 20 minutes. I'm bouncing in. And I have been in the headset for the most part, hour and a half, two hours pretty relatively continually taking it off to adjust something or, or, or something like that. But 
I played uh, when I got it on Friday. I mean, I, I, I was with it pretty consistently throughout the day. Um, and I, but I've bounced around on the refresh rate. I've done some super sampling back in the refresh rate off. Um, I'll just kind of echo what Gary has said. The, the refresh rate, it, it I think uh, Norm from Tested maybe over-exaggerated when he said, um, I feel like I have uh, the, this additional, like I've drank Mountain Dew or I've had caffeine and I feel extra present. I don't feel that with these increased frame rates. Um, it, it is smoother. Um, it does. It is different. And it, I, I would say it is better. Um, no question about it. But it's not like I see resolution and super sampling more than I pick up on the frame rates. So. We have very, even with the 2080 Ti, my 2080 Ti is on water, never gets out about 60 degrees Celsius, fully loaded. And I have limited resources, even with that. So I'm sort of in a position where I have to choose super sampling and frame rate to a, to a degree. And um, I'm leaning right now, again, caveat with, with only having it for a weekend, but I'm leaning more towards the clarity of super sampling than I am the increased uh, frame rates. But it is there. It is noticeable. Um, it, it felt – I noticed it a lot on Elite Dangerous for some reason. Like you, you don't feel it in the same games um, it, it, consistently. Like the the benefits does, doesn't feel the same. And I will say um, play, I use Revive and playing Lucky's Tale um, – I had it at 144 hertz and with super sampling, and my rig was able to do it. But Lucky, his animations weren't 144 hertz, and and it's very clear that Playful Corp, when they when they made the game, they never thought it would be running beyond 90 hertz. So some games are going to have a sort of I don't want to say compatibility. I'd imagine we can run every game at 144 hertz without issue, but that doesn't mean all the character animations and everything within the, what you're seeing in the game will support 144 hertz, and you won't see the 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 frame rate ghosting what, that I could clearly see with Lucky was a very good example of that. Anybody with an index that wants to try. Um, um, one obvious example of it, Lucky's Tale is a good one. There's um, just on that point about that as well, the, the compatibility issue. When 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 I went on to uh, Anthony's show on Friday, I was talking about 11 Table Tennis VR. And for anybody wanting to see the difference, I still maintain that 11 Table Tennis VR is a great example of how you can see a distinct difference between 90, 120. I couldn't run 11 at 144, but even between 90 and 120. Um, but there is compatibility issues with that, and I didn't notice it because I was just going in there and testing and and sort of mo- and and hitting a ping pong ball. But the there are certain games that are tied; their physics are tied to the frame rate, and I think Eleven might be one of those. So when you run it on 120 hertz, the uh, the opponent will miss a lot because it goes through the bat the ball will go through the bat um, and I think there's little issues there's a lot of things that are going to need to be tidied up with this from developers over the next uh, few weeks and months I suppose because that's a valid point there's there's a few little things that I've seen from various places about that is there a way to know um, whether games can even go like is there some way we can research whether a game could even go to 144 hertz, like what what Steve was talking about with Lucky's Tale, or is this something you're just going to have to experiment and realize, uh, I don't think this is doing anything extra. I feel like you have to experiment with that because, yeah, like 
I know for our game we're working on right now, physics are tied to the frame rate. I think a lot of developers do it just because it's easier to to set up. And usually every VR headset's been like 90 or or 80. I mean, like relatively similar this whole time, and 90's always been the standard. So all the, especially all the really older games, I think will probably have more problems because they're all used to, you know, like Lucky's Tale or whatever. Because at that point in time, everyone just thought 90 was like the end all be all, you know. Right, right, and and I will say that even even in that game, it was smoother as as you know how the camera pulls you through the world. Like looking around the world, turning my head, it all seemed smoother. It was just the the movement of Lucky and some of the creatures that wasn't 144 hertz. So, it, I and, and I was looking for. It's not like it's a bad experience. I, I, I'm I'm trying to test and 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 figure things out. So that was just one that st- stood out and I don't think we're the community if it's anything like the Pimax community which was a smaller more niche community I'm sure but they the community will start to develop Google spreadsheets and track which games support what so if someone wanted to to find out but I don't expect for the time being that that Steam is going to do it uh, and list compatibility modes with certain frame rates and things like that maybe they will but the community will do it but it's still a hassle like you know you're not going to have that spreadsheet up and say, oh, I'm going to play, um, I don't know, I'm going to play in depth today. I wonder what what frame rates it's best at. Like, you, unless you're willing to do that every time you go into a game and, and memorize them. Um, profiles would be something that would hmm. be nice in Steam VR if Valve implemented a profile system so that you could go through and you could say, okay, well, I play in, in depth a lot. Let me look up what in death does well at, or, or you personally find what you like, you know, a certain frame rate, a certain super sampling value, and then you assign that profile. Um, they have the profile system for super sampling already in place. You can set it sort of globally, or you can set it on a game by game basis. Uh, maybe they just need to add the frame rate. The one problem with that is that when you change the, the, the display refresh rate, you have to reboot steam VR. Um, you know, PyTool does the same thing on the Pimax. So uh, there's something, you know, this seems like a uh, an obstacle that may be difficult for them to get around. Um, and that, that may wreak havoc on the idea of profiles anyway. Like if you switch profiles, but then the whole damn thing's got to reboot, then is there really a benefit there from, from profiles? They, they, right. they did have that issue on super sampling initially as well, though. You had to reboot SteamVR with the super sampling adjustment as well. But then they, they worked a way around that where you didn't need to reboot. So maybe they can do the Well, they thing. did that with um, – well, yeah, good point. They did that with the compositor versus the application. Um, mm. So so you, you still had, I believe, if I remember correctly, if you changed the super sampling of the compositor – which is basically the Steam VR menu and everything, the Windows. You still have to reboot, but the application you only have to reboot the application. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so uh, I mean, I think one of the main points that a lot of people will want to hear about, based on some impressions that came out a few weeks uh, before the index was released, was uh, to do with sort of God raising glare, and this is one of the main points that we should probably hit on with this. Um, so Ben Lang at Road to VR, he was talking about how initially he was, he was talking about sort of God raised glare in, in a more universal uh, way when he had his initial impressions with the Valve Index. And he was saying that the, the, the glare and the God rays is worse in the, the Valve Index than certain other headsets, or at least on par with them. 
Um, but then he sort of clarified that in an article a, a couple of weeks later where he was saying there is a differentiating factor between God rays and glare. These are two separate things. And I think that's a good way of looking at this. So God rays, in my mind, are when you've got white text on a black background, you've got these these distinct rays that come off from the text and, and expand outwards towards your eyes. And they are things that you experience on something like a CV1. Um, whereas glare is something that probably... It's almost like when when I was talking to uh, Fluke Rogie uh, about Elite Dangerous, it's almost like a a swim of light. It's like a a movement of light over the lenses, which is far less distracting to me, but it's still there. And I suppose if I was to give one major criticism of the Valve Index, the glare is incredibly bad. It's among the worst I've seen in any headset. But... When I use the headset in practice on certain games, and I'll get onto Elite Dangerous actually, because I want to get into that a little bit more detail. When I use it in practice, that is, it's just not distracting in the same way that God Rays are on the CV1. Um, I don't know, Steve, uh, what are your thoughts on that? 100% agreed. It is the, the sort of the thing in here that I, um, I dislike the most uh, about the headset. The, it's not God rays. It's not a beam of light coming from the center of the lens that, that spreads out as it gets closer to your eyeball. So it's not a ray. It is more of a diffused light scattering and, and it shows up. It's, it's, it's different than glare I've seen on any other headset. It, it's higher in, in quantity, I guess there's, there's more volume of glare than most headsets, but it's also positioned weird. It's, it's almost on the outer edges of the lens. Mm. Um, you know, about the optics themselves, the optics themselves are pretty clear. I don't see the the grooves of the Fresnel lenses uh, like I do most other headsets, um, except at the very edge. When, when I bring the lenses very close to my face, as close as the adjustment will bring it, mm. and we'll talk about comfort later, but I, I can get it in as close as possible and, and use the headset. If I turn my eyes all the way to the extreme left or the extreme right and look at the very edge of the lens, I can see the grooves a little bit, very, very minorly. But it's also along that similar edge where the glare um, is there. And it's not, it's, it's, it's not necessarily the contrast kind of glare. It, it is and it isn't. It's weird. In a, in a game, Gary, you hinted at it with Elite Dangerous. In a game where you would expect this to be a big problem, it's surprisingly not. But mm-hmm. in other moments where you, you think it, it wouldn't be a problem, then it sort of is. Like, I just, I'm noticing the glare at, at, at weird-to-me moments, um, which is counter to most other headsets that, that I have experience with. So um, the glare is the, the biggest Achilles heel of this headset, in my opinion. Absolutely. So, Chris, Anthony, um, just talking about like glare and God rays and that kind of stuff, because we've all used, both of you guys have used a wide variety of headsets and you've got impressions on God rays. And I suppose when, when Ben Lang describes glare as well, you can get an impression of what he's talking about when, he, when he's saying that. But Chris, do God rays are God rays a big problem for you, or do you really not notice them? Because I'm getting some uh, some people in chat that really that that it's not a big deal for them. What do you think? Yeah, I don't think it's a huge deal. I guess like you just get used to whatever headset you're using. You're like okay, and it, you kind of filter out at some point. Because I know uh, using the Rift S a lot, and like going back to another headset, I'm like, man, that is not good. 
uh, even just using the Quest, like those lenses aren't as good as Rift S for me. So been using a Quest a lot. I'm like, oh, it's it's a little bad, but I think eventually I get used to whatever headset I'm using. So it ends up kind of being filtered out, kind of like screen door effect does to some degree. Uh, but also I don't play games like, you know, Elite Dangerous or anything. I feel like if I played games like that, I'd be much more conscious of these things, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Elite Dangerous is the one where I mainly saw it in like the CV1 or something like that. Anthony, uh, what are your impressions on God Rays? Because some people are not bothered by them. Some people are not bothered by screen door effects. Other people are. What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, for me, it's all of those things. If I look for them, I'll find them. And if I don't look for them, like the only time I normally see the God Rays is when it's a black background and it's like a title, you know, mm -hmm. titles are coming in or credits or whatever. Although I rarely see credits because I never finish games. <laughs> but uh, but that's usually when I see them and I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, it'll be nice that, you know, I think about there will be a day where there's zero glare, zero God Rays, and that will be glorious. Like, I think if I were to experience that, I'll realize how crap our current headsets are. But for me... I don't really notice this stuff, but then when so many people start talking about it, it's funny. It's this effect like, you know, when the Samsung Odyssey first came out, the, I mean, the Odyssey Plus, and it had the screen door, you know, the anti-screen door thing. And then everybody was talking about screen door, screen door, screen door. And like Steve got like an Odyssey Plus and all this. I started like right when that was happening, every time I was playing VR, I was noticing screen door everywhere. It was like, it was like in the front of my mind and, and like, I'm noticing screen door, I'm noticing screen door. And, and now that everybody's talking about God rays, I am starting to actually see that a little bit more, even in non dark, you know, a black background with a white, you know, even besides that, just in other, other situations, I'm noticing it. One curious thing I do have to ask you guys though, in terms of like, when you have your eyeballs, like right up to the to the screens as close as humanly possible, right? So I did that with that original vibe. I've talked about it a million times. You can get really close to it, and you get you do get like way more uh, FOV when you did that with the very original vibe. But the biggest downside of this, and uh, what's his name from Valve that left Valve, Chet Falizek, like yeah. he would say. Like, I remember him commenting about people doing that and saying, you know what? These headsets weren't designed for that. So you're going to, you can do that, but you're going to get some negatives with that. And one of the negatives was the Fresnel uh, concentric circles around the edges. Like, you would, the glare would catch on those circles and make it that much more noticeable. And would you, when you had your eyeballs so close to the screen and you're already out there at the edge anyway, I think you pick up that glare. That was the one downside of doing that. And and Valve mentioned that with this Valve Index. Like, maybe you want to dial it back just a little bit. And Gary, I think that's what you do. Like, you go all the way to the max, and then you just dial back a wee bit. Yeah. Steve, you're not doing that. It doesn't bother you. I know you just kind of mentioned it a second ago. No, I'd, I'd slam it all the way in. I'm, I'm a fove whore, I guess. Like, I slam it all the way in. Um, now, there is a subtle comfort. So I, I, I'll probably be like Gary and just give it a bump forward until I get some sort of inserts or something where I don't have to wear my glasses. Um, 
but no, I, I can bring it all the way in. And I would say Valve has designed around what you described. Like there are no concentric rings in your view. And the only spot I see the concentric rings is at the very edges. And I have to literally be turning my eyeballs in an uncomfortable way to look at those edges. So um, it, it, to me, it, it's that problem doesn't exist. It's very curious, though, how you, you say you don't notice the God Rays sort of just organically. Um, when you go from PlayStation VR, which is free of God Rays into um your your cv1 like isn't the the lack of cloudiness like immediately obvious as soon as i got playstation vr back in october of 16 um god rays and glare became an immediate like focal point like every time i got into pc vr i was like ah these god rays and glare driving me crazy it's just so interesting that you you don't like you don't have that same experience yeah, I don't know, man. For some, like we all have s- certain things that like we dial in on, and and I guess God rays and glare is like, I mean, it's there. I'm aware of it, but it, I don't like. I kind of forget about it very quickly. Yeah, I have a question for Gary and Steve, um, based on just kind of everything we've talked about so far—the screens, the lenses, all that. If you're someone like me who has like a 980, or let's say you know you have something even like a 1080 ti where you can't run 120 hertz uh you say you can only run 80 hertz or something just based on the headset itself do you would you say the headset is like a big enough upgrade that you would recommend getting it over like a rift s like just headset we're talking about so far Mm -hmm. you know what i mean if you can only run it at those bare bones settings is that screen and lens combo that impressive this is Go ahead, Steve. Yeah, first. <laughs> I'll let you so, take this. <laughs> so, so, so the idea of value is very subjective and hard to say, right? Like, so all else being equal, if I had an index sitting here at 80 hertz and a Rift S sitting here at 80 hertz, I'm going for the index, right? But they're not the same price. So the index costs considerably more if you don't already have base stations um, or if you want knuckles. I mean, you could, in theory, use an index with with the old Vive wands. You already have, you have base stations and wands. So you could enter into an index for, for the low, low cost of $499. Um, but so, so yes, all else being equal, I would definitely index every time. Um, but it's just a matter of is that extra cost worth it to you? Four hundred ninety nine dollars to you is very different than four hundred ninety nine to me. You're you're in college, whereas I'm an old guy that that's been working for for two decades now, and you know, so it, it's money's different. They don't mean the same thing, and and that's really how I answer every question of value. I try to take the the money aspect out of the equation and and just look at the devices themselves um you know because if you're some rich guy like you you'll spend more on lunch than than the cost of an index so we could um while we're on the the point of cost just taking in the whole package um because i think it's worth getting into that um so like the Rift S, the complete package of the Rift S is basically $600 cheaper than the complete package of the Valve Index and yeah what Steve was uh, uh, sort of going into there, let's just get into that a little bit more because when you look at this, again, I'll go back to what I said at the beginning of the, of the episode where like, unequivocally this is the best VR experience I've had um, with the Valve Index. But you need to 
probably, I mean, if, if there was some place you could go and try this headset before you buy it and then take into account all of these little features, which is incrementally better than the Rift S and then put a value on them, then maybe that will give you some kind of clue. Like, is the increase in field of view worth $50, $100? Is the audio, the built-in audio worth $50 or $100 more than the Rift S? And once you get to that point, I will maintain that... I, I, I mean, personally, I don't regret buying the index and I will take the index for the cost in my personal situation over the Rift S. That's not to say that the Rift S is like a, a bad VR headset or, or that people that, that, that want to get that headset for the lack of friction and the, the ease of use of that headset is, is still a valid point and I, I will appreciate that. But if you are a premium user and this, look, let's not pretend Valve are aiming this headset at premium users that want to get the best possible VR experience. And if you are within that category, I will maintain that this is worth that difference in price. But uh, all of Gary, these Gary, things. Can I ask you a question about this? So, like, you you paid a thousand. Well, did you did you buy the full bundle? I don't yes. remember what you did. Okay. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Okay, so you paid a thousand dollars. You got the full bundle, and the idea is now you've got it. You like it. It feels good. You know, for the most part, you feel like it's going to be your daily driver going forward. This is going to be the headset you're going to roll with. And you feel like that $1,000 investment, which is considerable, you feel like it's worth it. But my big question for you is, how many years do you think you're going to get out of this? Are you even going to get <laughs> one year out of this? Because you know headsets are going to continue to come. You know that there's going to be another head, like it always happens, right? Yeah. Samsung, I mean, people are talking about... You know, Samsung might have some product coming up later this year. Uh, other headsets now, like MRTV, he was talking about the reverb, and, you know, reverb's got issues. But there's eventually going to be a 2160 headset that does everything right. And then that's going to be, you know, oh, is is that is that maybe the difference maker? Yeah. I'm just curious what you think. Like, like you spend $1,000, you think okay, yeah, this is a crazy amount of money, but it's going to cover me for two solid years. But what if it doesn't cover you for two solid years? That's a really good point to bring up. And it's, it's I, I won't lie, it's crossed my mind a few times since using the index. Um, but when you're in this this uh, part where you're paying out for PC parts, you, you pay for a GPU. The GPU is out of date within a year or a year and a half or something like that. And it, it, it's... I think it's more of a testament to the fact that VR is such a rapidly progressing piece of technology that I, I like that. I like that these things are progressing so quickly and we've got new stuff to try. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a concern. I don't expect the Valve Index to be the premium VR experience as I consider it now in maybe a year or a year and a half. I don't expect that to be the case. Um, I yeah, come Steve. from a different train oh, of mind where... I almost look at all of these as rentals. Like nothing is permanent. You don't you you don't have to keep the index till the end of time. And at what point you decide you want to jump into something else, you can recoup some of that 
cost by selling the index. It'll be worth something, you know, if you do sell it in a year. It'll be worth something in the open market. If you wait five years, it may not be worth 50 bucks then, but you would have gotten five years of use out of it. So the the usage to to cost ratio is usually plays out pretty well there. And then I'll say that, you know, it is a thousand dollars to get into this package. Um, if if you don't have the the infrastructure at all, I I only paid seven fifty for the headset and the controller, so my cost was a little lower because I already had um, paid for my base stations on an earlier investment. But the 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 cost of the the headset itself is actually pretty damn good and fair. I think like you're getting a lot more at four ninety nine than the Rift S at three ninety nine plus the touch controllers. I think it's 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 got a lot more high quality in in the unit. Like the the Rift S, it, like all the adjustments, they don't lock in place. Whereas the Index, everything snaps and clicks and locks. Like so, when I'm swinging my head around, the facial interface isn't you know adjusting itself further away from my face like it would do in the Rift S. And the 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 band on the t- the back. I think we talked about this last week, Gary. One of your reasons mm-hmm. for getting rid of the Rift S. And you know so so there those things in there the High cost is coming from Valve keeping the base stations expensive for for really no they don't have to they're choosing to and the controllers at two hundred seventy nine dollars U S these controllers are overpriced they're, I wonder. they're they're the repeat they're better than Vive ones and we stomach it because a lot of people don't like the Vive ones but they're just as overpriced there's not that much damn technology in these Knuckles controllers to be hundred and forty dollars per controller. Um, that's you, if you, you take the high cost of the base stations and controllers out of the equation, then the, the index becomes far more reasonably priced product. Um, valve is just choosing to make money on it now. Well, they're manufacturing those lighthouses here in the United States. And I know that's something like, like they had a, uh, a little valve launch party that was at the actual manufacturing plant where they're manufacturing the little, uh, the lighthouses, right? And I know that they pr- they probably are kind of proud of the fact, hey, these are made in the USA. Oh, yeah, the headset, the controllers, those are made in China. Now, if the lighthouses were made in China as well, maybe maybe a little bit cheaper there. Well, um, so here's the deal, though. They they when they when they did base stations 2.0, they reduced the cost. They cut one motor out of every lighthouse. So you had a reduction in cost. The device is more simple. And we've had reports that they were selling the base stations to HTC in the 60-ish dollar per unit range. They're selling them. So so, so you know they were making profit at selling it to HTC at 60-ish dollars, they're selling them to us at 120. What, what is it like? It, they're selling it to us at a at HTC's prices, and they're cutting out HTC as the middleman. So they're keeping the price inflated higher than I think it should be. Um, but, you know, that's, that's their choice. That's, yeah, that's their prerogative. They can do what they want to do in terms of that. They might be thinking too about all think of all the research and development like they were yeah. they were working on this stuff back when Palmer Lucky was still around with before they even got bought by Facebook and all of that they were working on it. so all those years and all the money that they spent on research and development they might want to kind of recoup a little bit of that with this but the question I have for Steve okay so Steve was saying you know he looks at this as a rental like 
Like this, if you're going to be a VR fan, and I, I understand exactly what Steve is talking about, and I kind of agree in a certain way, and it's actually very similar to like having a projector, and projector people are like this too, is like when you have a projector, um, you think every year I'm going to buy a new projector, or every other year I'm buying a new projector. This is just the way of the world. And and yeah, it's going to cost a couple thousand dollars or whatever every time I do it, but you amateurize that over the how many days you have and, and you're paying like per day and, and you rationalize it by saying, well, you know what? I had that great projector for two years before a lot of people did, and and I value every day that I had with that. But my question for Steve is, so let's say next November, um, November 2020, there's some new incredible headset that takes the throne. This is the new dream. It's got foveated rendering. It, it's got eye tracking. It's got some extra bells and whistles that go beyond the Valve Index, like no question about it. This is the new thing. The problem with your idea of selling it off and like you're going to get all this money is everybody else is going to be doing the exact same thing. So how do you actually gain anything here? I mean, I know you're still going to get some money, but you're not going to like everybody else is going to do the exact same thing. So no, you lose you lose money, but if you stay on top of the market, you get your pre-order in or <laughs> or, or whatever, right? Like like right now, you a lot of people can't sell their Rift S's or their CV ones or their Vive Pros because they can't actually get an index right now if they wanted to, and and so there's that is usually gives you a window if but you have to you you have to really pay attention to the market you have to stay diligent you have to know when pre-orders are going live and be there you know the minute they go live and, and all that stuff which is when I'm playing this sort of game I do but either way it's almost like leasing a car I, I'm losing money right I'm not. I'm not going to sell if I sell this Valve Index in six months. I am not going to get the 499 that I paid for the headset. I might get 299. I may get 350. So I'm going to take a loss, but that loss carries over, and and I get to try more things. It's it's not the most fiscally wise way to do it, but it's certainly much cheaper than saying I'm going to buy a headset and then when something new comes along, I'm going to buy another headset and then just stick the index on the shelf and not use it. And that's why I always say. My Pimax, uh, I, I'm going to decide between the Index and the Pimax, and and the one I don't decide is going for sale. I'm not going to let it sit here in my IKEA cubby and and just burn the the value of dollars. I'm not going to be like Chris did with his Vive. He doesn't use his Vive, but he never sold the thing, and now it's not worth hardly anything. <laughs> it's, it's worth nothing. <laughs> Wait, quick question though: Wouldn't it be cool if somebody created some type of business idea, right? where you're paying $75 every single month, but you can, you know, a, a reverb. Now I got the reverb. Now I'm sending the reverb back and I'm getting this. And and then, oh, a brand new headset. Like, what if there was like a headset club? Like, you know, the freaking shavers club or something. You're paying like $100 a month and you all, but as soon as the brand new headset comes out, you automatically, it's almost like Gamefly, but then everybody wants that brand new headset right away. You got to wait a little longer. That's essentially how this works out. Um, yeah. I think let's let's probably move on. Um, <laughs> Gary, do you want to get into audio? Yeah, we can do. Yeah, just just very quickly before we get onto that, I want to bring Chris back into it into the discussion very quickly, uh, just on the value proposition because we 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 did go into that a while. But just from your point of view, Chris, like, um, do you think 
like all of these little incremental differences, uh, just looking at it from the outside because you've not tried the index yet, did you see this as being like a $600 more for the full package, a $600 more worthwhile purchase over the Rift S? Because these incremental differences are incremental, but they are differences nevertheless. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think like like uh, you guys were saying, if you just look at it on a headset basis, like, okay, you know, the, the touch controllers were probably like $100. So let's say this is like 200 more than than Rift S headset only. I think that's pretty worth it for the audio, which we're going to probably get to. And this these little incremental improvements there, I could easily see how that would add up to, to $499. So that actually is, is pretty interesting to me in that way. Uh, but like Steve said, I really think that the lighthouses are really overpriced. And like the fact that Rift S just has it all built in now and you don't even need to buy external sensors. Like back then we were buying like three sensors or whatever, buying two extra sensors. They were like 60 each or something like that. So Oculus really cut like a lot of the cost out of that. And then uh, it'll be interesting to hear what you guys think of the Knuckles controllers too. I mean, they they sound a little bit overpriced to me. And I think just based on what I'm hearing, I think I'll always prefer touch, uh, even though it has a little bit less functionality for me. I'm just so used to how they fit in my hand and the ergonomics of them. So, uh, yeah, I guess overall package might be a little overpriced, but I mean, it's an enthusiast product. I can see why they're charging that. Uh, but no, the headset seems pretty reasonable to me. So that's that's an interesting one. Like uh, that's making me think a little bit on, on that one. So yeah. Okay, well, let's uh, get through these other little points that you want to. So audio, as you mentioned, Steve, um, on this, everybody knows that basically what their, their audio solution with the Valve Index is that they have these uh, headphones, which are not really headphones. They're sort of speakers that sit off the ear around about a centimeter off your ear, and then they blast the audio into you. Um, and it to me this is like i went in yesterday and really tried to dial in some of this stuff because some people have had some comments about how certain things where you're uh, like in 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 skyrim or something the audio doesn't sound too good for me i felt like the audio was uh, across the board just really nice um I, I felt like the bass was good the volume was good um and just the, the the fact is when you're not got something touching your ears and you're getting this uh sort of positional audio in certain experiences it does make it it does make it feel far more natural than what I've been used to with the either the Rift uh, Rift CV1 um or something like a PSVR where I'm using over the ear headphones it just feels more natural the audio is probably one of the best aspects of this headset in in my opinion um and you know there's not really a lot to say other than I feel like it, it's it's the best in class really steve what are your thoughts i agree i think the the audio solution is pretty fantastic um there is something i would like to change about it and that i would like it to have headroom to be a little louder so not every game not every use case is the volume going to be mixed in a studio where they set the reference to zero db just perfectly so i'm finding on a lot of titles i have the volume at 100 percent I'd rather the thing go louder and then me be able to set the volume to 80% to get to a to a volume that I like. So I think it needs more headroom because I'm pretty much keeping them pegged at 100 
percent full volume, which wasn't the case for me on the CV1 and on um, my Mantis headphones that I have on the PlayStation VR. So, um, but the solution itself. So, setting volume aside, the solution itself they sound really good, and it it is. Um, I don't want to say the word game changer, but it it it's taking it to the next step by not having something make contact with your ears. That is really, really cool. And it, um, literally, (laughs) yeah, it will. Yeah. It keeps you cooler, but it, it changes. So like, like when you hear music or whatever, it's, it's what it, 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 it sounds good. It's okay. But there are moments where I guess with it being off of your ear and, and, and not through a headphone that, it, it does a little something different with the positional audio. It's it's not a constant. You can't just jump into a game and 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 get this sensation at will. But there have been moments in some titles where I'll hear just something sort of flutter by, or maybe it's someone speaking out of the left corner, and the the positional cue just seems more positional. It's it's very difficult to describe, but. For some reason, the 360 aspect of audio seems to be enhanced by this solution somehow, some way. It doesn't make sense. It's still two speakers pointed at your ears, and and one not making contact doesn't seem like somehow it could improve something, but they have. And um, I I think it's a really good solution and one of the standout features of this headset. Yeah, that's – okay, I was going to say that's that's super crazy to hear because, like, I – I hate what Oculus is doing with with the audio. They're just kind of making it go off the deep end. There's no good audio anymore. That's why I put in the Vive Deluxe audio strap on the Quest. And like to me, that was like a giant step up because I've you know been used to Rift S and Quest for like several weeks in a row, where the audio is pretty garbage. I mean, especially Rift S, terrible. So I mean, I, I'm really glad that someone still cares about audio. I thought Oculus was that one. For so long, they were always like, you know, they have this big audio SDK that does spatialization and like reverb and all this amazing things. But you can't even hear half the stuff on the on the Rift S now, so it's it's stupid. But I'm glad, you know, Valve is is still focusing on that. I think that's like the most one of the most important things. Yeah, and I'm lucky. I have two air conditioners, central air units in my house. I'm up here on the top floor, and it's I have a dedicated air conditioner on this floor, so my room stays summer winter whatever i can keep it locked at 72 ish degrees is where i use it so comfort i I don't i don't have the summer vr problems that a lot of people have i'm lucky um but i can imagine for the people that do that this off the ear audio is is even a better benefit than it is to me because um i feel less i don't say claustrophobic but it's just less stuff touching me and and that's good yeah. One question I have is like, so take a game, for example, like Apex Construct. And in that, in the game of Apex Construct, the developers did a great job, in my opinion, with the audio of giving it this kind of like movie soundtrack, kind of a score, especially with the bass where it's like, like, like you know, it, it makes these certain like, Boom. Like, like if, I mean, I'm using Sennheisers, right? They're pretty, I mean, these aren't like super expensive Sennheisers, but they're pretty freaking solid. My question is with those off the ear speakers like that, can you still get that, that doom, doom? You know, I don't, I don't know. I feel like 
that would be hard to get. It's probably not going to be as good as your Sennheisers are in terms of that bass response, but it is more bassy than you would think looking at it. And when you touch them, you know, you're playing, at a, I don't know, something like Electronauts, something with music. Um, if you touch them, you can feel the vibrations. You, yeah. the, these are, um, they're, they're more akin to a small speaker driver than a headphone driver. And I guess it's, it's essentially one of the key differences. So you feel more more motion, more displacement of air when when they're moving. But I don't think they're going to fully replicate the bass response of your Sennheisers. They they vibrate a lot when you're using them. That's the thing. And I, I will say, yeah, the possibly you won't get quite so much of bass. I agree with Steve with that. But I've had zero problems with this. I mean, if this is the best audio gets in VR, I think I'm sort of okay with that um, to, to a certain extent. Yep. I you know, I, I, I'm sure you guys haven't tested uh, the mic, but have you heard how good the mic is? Oh, oh my we God. have tested it. Oh, we have, um, yeah. Me and Gary played, um, ironically, in three years of doing VR Roundtable. We have never, we, we say, we always say we're not uh, online multiplayer people, and good Lord, do we mean it, because <laughs> we have never played a game online together until this week. Me and Gary played a match of Final Assault uh, with our indexes. And, Just uh, um, cut, cutting in there, Steve, we, we don't need to go into the details. We don't need to go into who won or who lost, because winning and losing doesn't matter, does it? So it's taking I, 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 I agree. <laughs> it, it, it didn't matter much when I beat you. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> but when, when, so we started the, we, we did the voice call in steam and um so i didn't see him we weren't actually in the game yet and it was just hearing each other and and when he's like hey steve how are you doing how's it getting on there in his british uh-huh. accent um i was like gary are you using your your nice mic that we do the podcast with he goes no no, no i'm using the index and i was floored at how clear it was um and and then he he had the same feelings about uh, on on the other end and the mic is if if I was doing um, let's plays and stuff, I would feel like I don't need uh, you know a lot of people will buy the wireless lavalier mics and clip them to their shirts and stuff. None of this is needed. The index mic is so damn good that you don't need anything else. Like you could do this podcast and it would come across pretty well with just the index alone. Yeah, and that's genius by Valve to do that because think of all the YouTubers that are going to be like. Like they're gonna prefer the index just from like doing a let's play just just for that reason alone because it just eliminates one because like there's people using Rift S's that literally have a a wireless mod mic attached to it because the Rift S mic is just kind of lame. Yeah, I heard that the Rift S mic sucks, and that's so bad because the CV1 mic was I think was also that same probably level. Maybe the index is even better than. Oh the- no, the index is. Really way other level yeah. beyond CV1. Wow. And, and you're right, CV1 was way beyond the crap-tacular thing that's in the Vive and the Vive yeah. Pro. Yeah. Index is so far beyond it. Like, it's Yeti quality. Like, Man, it's real good. You guys are selling me on this thing more and more. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's go on to the controllers, because these are the, the other big aspect of the Valve Index, the Knuckles controllers. This is something that we, we've all been waiting for for a long time. The, these have been such a long time coming, um, and... I, you know, when I first got them, I, I felt like, I mean, overall, we can talk about build quality a little bit with this, but overall, the build quality of everything you, that you get with the index package is really nice. Um, and you can feel that. I want to get onto something with the index controllers to do with the thumbstick, um, that has been sort of kicking off lately. And we'll get onto that in a moment, but overall, 
The index controllers, uh, they fit really nice into your hands, but I will say that my initial reactions to them weren't uh, like uh, that positive, in all honesty, only because I felt like the position, the individual position of the thumbstick, uh, the buttons, the trackpad, the Steam Home button, that kind of stuff, it just didn't feel like it was in, in a great position. And even now, I feel like I'm getting used to that slowly as I've been using it, but it still doesn't feel quite so natural as I want it to feel. And it, it sort of pains me to say that touch controllers are still probably my... At the moment, they're still my preferable method overall. But we've not had enough experiences that really take advantage of the uh, finger tracking uh, on the Knuckles controllers. And maybe when we get more of that kind of stuff, maybe that that, that could sway me. Um, but initial reactions weren't too positive on the Knuckles, but I did get used to them. Steve, what are your thoughts? My initial reactions were they... They kick the living snot out of the Vive Wands for me. Like, I can't stand the Vive Wands. I've not hidden behind that fact. So they're a big upgrade. Um, that I, I also like the CV1 touch controllers better. Mm. Now, someone hearing me, they may say, well, Steve, you've had your index and you've only played it for a few hours versus, you know, more than a year or however long you were using the CV1 uh, as a dedicated PC VR headset. That's true. However, I will say when I got CV1 and I put my hands into the touch controllers the first time, that it melted. It was done deal, perfect, no complaints from, from the very first minute of using the touch controllers. Whereas with the Knuckles controllers, it feels a little off. They're good. They're not bad. I don't hate them. Um, in fact, they're my second favorite controller on the market yeah. now. Uh, in fact, I may like them more than the Rift S touch controllers. It's specifically the CB1 touch controllers that are better. The Rift S ones are different in the Quest. There's something off about those, and I don't know if it's just the the lack of a of a spot for your thumb to rest on. But I feel like with the knuckles, I feel like we're we're dealing with a case of Valve being stubborn. And if, if they they seem to want this damn touchpad at any and all cost, and by having this touchpad there, you're 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 having to spread the buttons and the thumbstick out um, to make room for the touchpad. So when you strap it on um, the knuckle controller, and I'm trying to do it, you're I'm showing in the camera feed. Your your sort of your natural resting spot is over the touchpad. So when you want to use a thumbstick, you got to go over here. And now my my thumb is canted some. And then likewise, when I want to use the buttons, the buttons feel more comfortable because um, we always reach for the buttons a little bit. So I think I would have much preferred them to put the thumbstick right here. And this controller would be way, 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 way better for me. And if they insist on having a touchpad, then put the damn touchpad over here. Like, like it's just it's weird stubbornness. And I know some people really prefer touchpads over thumbsticks, um, but you're in the minority. Like, like the, the the idea that that Valve wouldn't cater to the majority um, is 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 just a little bit of stubbornness. So I um, think they could be better. That uh, they're good. Now there's also. Um, an issue uh, being reported on Reddit, and I can confirm it and even show it here. But the left thumbstick, um, when you push up, let's say you're walking in Skyrim, you cannot click it down. Like, I can't click this in. If I let it slide down a little bit, then I can click it. And um, it, it's it's 
you can still play your game. So it's not like it's a hundred percent non-functional, but if there's a certain action in a game where you need to click down, let's say it's to make your character run, then you're not going to be able to do it while holding forward. And, and you'll, you'll have to bind, uh, find a controller binding issue um, uh, or something to, to get around that issue. I think Valve's a, Valve is aware of it. Um, they've responded to some emails and they've been posted to Reddit and such. So um, this may become a warranty issue that, that maybe people like me, Gary, anybody else that has this problems, uh, maybe have to do an RMA of some sort with our controllers. I would hope they would send us new controllers first so that we, we don't go without. Um, but we'll have to see uh, how this all plays out. But it's definitely a, a broken issue. The right controller, I can click it in while holding forward, but it feels different. It doesn't like even then there's some resistance to it. So this is a design, uh, either a design issue or a manufacturing issue. Here's the thing, Steve, if you try to, on the right controller, if you try to go left or right and then try and click it in, you won't be able to do that. That's the weird thing. So on the left controller, you can go up and down and not click it in. On the right controller, you can't. <laughs> okay, you're right. It's really weird. Yeah, that's yeah, crazy. Yeah. So I was trying to figure, I couldn't get myself to turn and fall out yeah, the correct yeah. way. Now, I haven't spent a ton of time looking for bindings, and I just chalked it up to a Bethesda issue, but it may be the fact that I couldn't use this the correct way. So that that is something to be concerned about. Anybody that's got an index already, it seems like everybody has this problem. I, I don't know if it's 100%, but How it seems like this? a lot of people have this problem. How could it slip past their quality control if this is like just a standard thing that everybody is recognizing? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> There's no good answer there. <laughs> My question, okay, Gary, if you're Valve and everybody's complaining about this issue, right? And then you're like, okay, we got a lot of complaints about this. Let's test it out. And they test it with every in every final index controller they got, and it's confirmed, every single one has this exact problem. So they know we've got a manufacturing problem with this. This is a real problem here. What do they do? Do they immediately, so they've already sent out, I don't know, 10,000 indexes or you know who knows how many they had in the first wave, right? Those are already out. Now do they like, stop, stop the presses, you know, no more indexes are going out. So all of us that are waiting in the second, third, fourth waves, we are boned like a mofo because, oh, man, I don't even want to think about this. What are they going to do? Yeah, it's bad. I mean, it's bad. I mean, what, what can they do? They they have to replace the controllers, I suppose, and sort of delay. I suppose the, the next wave could be delayed. If they want to take that kind of action, then they can do that. Um, I think it's a shame because there's a lot I like about the controllers, but there's a lot I, I don't like too. And when these problems come out, and they're coming out just a couple of days after the release of the index, they're noticeable. People are already noticing these problems. Um, I, I do want to get onto finger tracking as well uh, Steve um, so one of the things that I had I had a little bit of uh, glitching when I first tried the uh, the index controllers and the finger tracking wasn't working too well I went onto reddit and saw that somebody posted where if you place them on your hands get them all set and then turn them on and calibrate them that way you get much better finger tracking and that turns out to be true at least in my case have you had any problems with uh, the finger tracking implementation <laughs> Yeah, so it isn't as um, 
great as I thought it was going to be. So uh, I did the aperture hand lab thing that Cloudhead did. Cloudhead's portion of it was great. Like they developed a really cool little experience. It's like five, 10 minutes long. Mm. It's not anything vast, but um, you know, all along coming up into the release of these knuckles controllers, we, we heard about how awesome the finger tracking is and you can, you can flip someone the bird or you can do the rock out and all that. And you can, but for me, even even when I turn them on, I've, I've tried it both ways, turning them on while holding them, turning them on, not holding them. And it works, but it's kind of sticky. Like if I want to put up my middle finger, like my finger goes like halfway up sometimes and yeah. I have to sit and fiddle with it to get it to fully extend. And um, there, it's I, I'm having a hard, try, a hard time finding where this is going to be like this huge – implemented and utilized advantage over just a simple grip mechanic like the functionality is there and and you know to be fair with the cv1 it had the capacitive and it could could do certain things with fingers but none of that was really leveraged even in all the exclusive oculus funded titles that functionality wasn't really fully leveraged and i don't think we're going to see the knuckles controllers leveraged um, in, in, in some grand way. Will there be a game or so, maybe Valve's games, uh, if and when they see the light of day, we'll, we'll leverage that. But I don't think that it's going to be this huge uh, game-changing factor, um, You know, even if it does work right. Like for me, it's not a flawless – I always complain – about immersion and what breaks immersion for me. We've talked about it in the past few weeks on, on a few episodes. And what breaks immersion for me is is when something makes me forget that I'm that I'm in a game. And if I'm sitting here trying to, you know, sitting here doing this with my fingers, trying to, you know, get a pointer out so I can push a button, to me that's gonna piss me off. And like I'm I'm gonna get like that that's immersion breaking. And I don't know that that's not what's gonna happen here. So do you guys think that you, or I, mean, I know maybe Steve is probably this way, would you prefer if the Knuckles just had like a classic grip button like the touch controllers or something like that? Would you rather that than the finger tracking at this point? Does it seem more like, you know, something that's not going to be used too much? You'd rather have that consistency? It's tough. Like the, the grip is kind of cool and there are moments where it's felt more natural. Um, and certainly the releasing to throw is, is an improvement. Um, but I, I, I don't know. They're, they, I think the game, we, we have to give it more time and the smoke has to settle or the dust has to settle a little bit because like playing Final Assault, like I couldn't move around the map as fluidly as I could even using the Vive one. Um, and, and that is, but that game hasn't been updated for Knuckles. So it's like we, we, I, can't, I can't hold that against Knuckles when the, there hasn't been a software update for it yet. So I just to truly know the answer to that question, we need more time. Yeah. You still beat me anyway, even in spite of that. Um, but the, the, the thing is, well, like uh, trying so we can probably – well, actually, we'll get them to revive uh, in a moment. Well, actually, let's, let's talk about revive now. Well, no, no, no. We skipped over Fove. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay, thing. yeah. That, that's that's a good idea. Over. Yeah, go ahead. Um, Gary, you go ahead and queue up your thoughts on it, yeah, and then I'll come in afterwards. So, yeah, it, Field of View was, was one of the things that hit me immediately. And when I was on Anthony's show on Friday, I was saying that maybe because when I first tried the Pimax, it wasn't something that blew me away, the, the wide field of view. I could see it, of course, uh, but it didn't blow me away. And then it only hit me 
when I went back to the Rift and, 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 and saw the difference then. And it made me more appreciative of the field of view, I think. So when I put the index on initially, that was one of the big things. I felt like the field of view was at least equal to the Pimax small setting, um, but I'm not too sure about that now. And Steve's got some thoughts on that as well, I know. But um, the field of view for me is a nice upgrade. It's not going to blow you away. It's not going to, again, it's not a night and day difference. So many of these things that we talk about are not night and day differences, but they're a nice little upgrade. They're a nice incremental thing, which going back, I don't want to do without. I don't want to go back to the, the Rift style of field of view um so you know i think the field of view on the index is good and everything is clear that's the biggest thing as well so going back to clarity overall that you've got this nice wide field of view the nice tall field of view the vertical field of view is increased as well but there's no distortion there's there's very little visual artifacts uh, with that as well and that's i mean zero distortion there is zero distortion on this headset at all um but yeah i i, I was impressed with the field of view what what do you think steve i too was impressed with the field of view now i've created a graphic uh i've meant to do this for months and um i finally sat down and, and got it done while waiting for my index to arrive so then i only had to measure the index but i've created a graphic that that is my measurements of field of view without my glasses and with Everything smushed in just a smidge to the uncomfortable point. Not very uncomfortable, but just just a little more beyond comfort. Um, so, so I'm going to show a field of view comparison. Um, also, all IPDs for the headsets that had an IPD adjustment were set for 64 millimeters to make it the same as the Rift S. Um, I think a lot of people will be surprised at, at, at this field of view comparison. Um, how I did it was I used the uh, real virtual. Um, uh, there's, there's two ways of getting it. There's, well, there's a Steam workshop, and then there's a standalone downloadable version of this environment. And then you go in there, and you can, using your touchpad or your thumbstick, you can, can move uh, objects to just outside of your field of view, and then you can record the, the degrees of, of field of view. And you do the same thing horizontal and vertical. But I've always felt just having a horizontal and a vertical number doesn't tell the full story. You sort of need to see the shape of, of, of your viewport. Um, so what I did was I, I got into the tilt brush and I drew the shape. And, um, and then I had my, my wife kind of copy that shape down onto a piece of paper so that I could create the shape. Now, it's not a flawless um, execution and it's not going to be perfect, but it's the best thing that I've seen out there for sort of conveying the field of view differences here. So um, I have that queued up to go. Um, so we're going to start here with the Rift S field of view. I measure, oh, it's too small for me to see, a uh, horizontal of 86 and a vertical of 90. And then with the index coming in, um, a horizontal of 108 and a vertical of approximately 104. Um, then Pimax small. And you can see here that the Pimax, the index is still quite a bit away from Pimax small. And then I'm bringing in the Pimax medium. And then here in a couple seconds, the Pimax large. Um, the one thing I will say is the, the, I've always say, you know, when I've gone back to the Rift um, or, or another headset, the Odyssey, after using the Pimax, I've always described it as toilet paper roll vision. 
and a lot of other people use the same thing, so I'm not unique in that sense. I, I will say that when I go into the index, I don't get that toilet paper roll vision. Um, and I think it's the vertical field of view that is the game changer, not so much about the horizontal. As the as you look at the Pimax folk, you'll see that as it goes further horizontal, the verticality drops off. So you so you get this kind of rounded curve aspect to it. Um, with the with the index, it it's full vertical pretty much over the full fove. Uh, even though here it looks like a circle, it's really two overlap circles. Whereas the Rift S is a more traditional circle there. So um, that's the best that I could come up to convey. Um, but I will say, uh, I'll repeat myself and say that the index does not feel like toilet paper roll vision to me. And that's a big key detractor from all the other non-Pimax headsets. Um, even the the uh, Odyssey felt like toilet paper roll mm-hmm. vision. And I think it's due to the shape and the, the to me, the lowered verticality of the Fove. Um, so um, not quite Pimax small, but in a way it feels like Pimax small. So anyone that says, well, the, the index feels like Pimax small, it's a very fair thing to say uh, because I get that same feeling. And it wasn't until I went in and recorded these numbers and did this work that I realized it was still a little bit away from Pimax small, um, but it's still good. One one thing I, w- I want to illustrate as well with these, uh, because these are fantastic, Steve, what you've done here as well, just to illustrate the differences of the field of view. Um, it, it gives a clear indication. What I will say is having used the Pimax um, and the Index, I think you do get diminishing returns as you go beyond a certain field of view. Like when I look at what, what is being shown on this video uh, between Pimax Small and Pimax Large, my my uh experience with the Pimax didn't seem that big a difference between small and large. And I know I could see the difference, but it wasn't a huge difference as is illustrated here. So I think maybe you do get some kind of diminishing returns from one point um onwards. And that's why maybe initially it felt like the index was more or less Pimax small, whereas we can see from here that it, it's really not. Um, and so, uh, yeah, what I think is, so the index... And everything is still in your immediate, uh, not your focused phobia, but it's in your sort of your immediate field of view. I can focus here. I can count the number of fingers I have up. When I move out here, I still see my fingers. I still see motion. I still see contrast, but I can't count my fingers right now. I mean, I know how many I'm holding up because I'm holding them up, but like I don't, I can't see them and focus on them. So the gains that you get in this space um, are on paper and mathematically the same 10 degrees is 10 degrees, but the impact to the user 10 degrees in this space is much more impactful. Mm. Um, so it, it is like the, um, the, the <clears throat> diminishing returns, although mathematically it's not a diminishing return. Um, but I, I thought this was a, a big deal because it, it is, um, I Fove has become very important to me after having the Pimax. And um, I, I was I was shocked at these results because when I first tried my index, I was like, whoa, this is Pimax small. I'm happy. Let's go. And then when I measured it, I'm like, no, it's not. It was it was it was surprising. So um, I, I learned that the verticality and the shape of the Fove can do just as much as when someone writes down how many degrees horizontal, like, like that doesn't tell the whole story. And we need to now, when we think of headsets and we look at specs and measurements, we need to, to think and understand what the total Fove shape is and how that manifests to the end user. 
Yeah. Uh, I wanted to read a comment in chat real quick. Okay, so Geiger Mass came in and had some real negative things to say about his Valve Index experience so far. Um, he says, Valve is a terrible headset for me, plagued with issues, terrible blacks, washed out colors, hardly no stereo overlap, makes it look like I'm looking through an LCD screen with no 3D presence. Now, what I want to dial in on is the stereo overlap. Because person person, um, a little bit later, um, uh, now I can't find it, but I know person person said that the stereo overlap is a bit of a problem, but he has a larger IPD. Now, both of you guys, I believe, are, are on the lower side of IPD, so you're probably not noticing this problem with stereo overlap. But man, I'm starting to get concerned about this because as somebody that is on the higher side... You don't have stereo overlap full stereo overlap on your CV1 nor on your Quest. So if they don't bother you on your CV1 and Quest, you're okay. It's very different. It, it, it'll 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 bother people coming from a Vive and a Vive Pro the most, maybe even the Odysseys. But you the the lack of stereo overlap is different for everyone. It's IPD dependent, but it's also dependent on if a person has wore glasses. So the lack of stereo overlap doesn't bother me as much because as I'm looking at my computer screen talking to you right now, I see the edge of my frames. Um, and in a VR headset, you where the left eye ends in the right eye's view, the end of the overlap, there's a hard black edge because that's the end of the, the lens. You're seeing the, the inside a headset. Your human vision doesn't have that. You, you, you see nothing um, as your eye trails off. Maybe your nose, if, if you have a big enough nose to see it. So stereo overlap will matter to to mostly the people coming from a vibe, they will feel that. Uh, I think years ago, Gary, when you switched the CV1, you struggled with it, and you you were you're saying this that the the CV1 feels off, and I think we deduced down at that time that it was you coming to grips with the lack of stereo overlap. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and, so and and also yeah, go ahead, Steve. Finish off. Your I was thought. I was just going to say that human vision does not have stereo full stereo overlap. If you close your left eye and then close your right eye, you will see that the two eyes see differently um where it matters in a uh, vr headset is can we get as much overlap as we do with our normal vision and then more importantly you know finding a way to eliminate seeing the the edge of a lens mm. um the pimax is the worst at stereo overlap and i think it might be a lot of people's problems when they and i don't want to put words in anyone's mouth when they say they have distortion issues or, or, or edge issues i almost wonder if it's the lack of stereo overlap because at a high ipd the pimax has very low percentage of stereo overlap i think it's comparable to the amount of overlap on a rift s um but as a percentage of the total view, it's very small. Well, that and it's, that, that's the problem for people. Yeah, that that Pimax thing, that Pimax comparison is something that I wanted to mention as well. Like the stereo overlap on the Pimax, because some things feel slightly off when I tried the Pimax, and I put that down to the stereo overlap on that. And I've got a relatively low IPD anyway. Um, but when when you look at the comparisons between the stereo overlap, so you have the Vive, which, and I was looking at some numbers earlier on this week about this because I was a little bit concerned about the the stereo overlap or lack thereof on the on the index because. Um, if I had that problem on the Pimax, maybe I was going to get it on the index, and I don't. But with the numbers, you have something like 90% stereo overlap. So 90% of the, of 
each eye can see what the other eye sees in the Vive. Um, and that is probably the most comfortable I've felt in VR. And going to the Pimax, it didn't feel that comfortable. And posh, it could entirely be the fact that it's this, the lack of stereo overlap. But going to the index, um, in spite of the relatively low uh, stereo overlap, I didn't have really have a problem at all. And that was one of my concerns. It was something I was looking for. So I don't think it, there's so many different factors that go into this, not just stereo overlap, but the position of the lenses, the position of the screens and things like that. And there was no issues at all. Everything felt really, really solid in, in this. And I yeah. felt... I feel like this is always going to be an issue until we get to like, um, uh, uh, I remember in Ready Player One, the movie, when when the kid Wade put the headset on, it was just like one big oval. And it was like, there was no left eye and right eye separation. And he just, yeah. that is um, like, I think that's the only solution because you're always going to see the edge of something. Um, it's either that or we're stuck with, with Rift S fove um where where 100 overlap is maintainable but i don't want that so yeah it's a it's yeah. just the way it is so the mm-hmm. point is don't worry anthony like you're used to it on the cv1 you might notice it more on the index it's hard to say but like you'll get used to it That's i'll get good. used to it but is it less 3d like are things less 3d because of that in the in the spot where there isn't overlap, but it's just a small yeah. portion. So for most users, the Vive, the screens completely overlap in front of each other. That is also why it has the worst SDE because it's it's spreading the same information out further. Um, on the Rift S or on the the Rift CV1, um, they 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 spaced it out where you don't have full overlap on the edges. Um, so, but you don't really focus on 3D in those points anyway. Um, so the lack of 3D really isn't a problem. It's more the the seeing the black edge, the hard edge that that gives people a sort of unnatural sensation. Um, and those of us in VR, you know, we've we've just gotten used to it. But it it is very unnatural because nothing else do we see with that sort of limitation. Yeah, it's a cool way that they implemented like the increase of field of view, I think, because like the Pimax obviously has the screens, you know, tilted and some crazy lens stuff. But I think it's so cool that the index is just like basically get it in there as close as you have to. Because I remember back all the way in the days of the Dev Kit 1, like my eyes were basically touching the lenses. Like It was crazy close because they, you know, they, they bulged out. So like I remember I'd blink my eyes and I'd feel my eyelashes like rubbing against the lenses. And I actually... The field of view on the dev kit one might be like the best I've had just because of, you know, jamming it into my face. And I always have done that even with like the quest I took off the facial interface like earlier this week and just got it closer. And like it, it seems like such an obvious thing to, to optimize around because, you know, you then you can keep the same performance levels. You're not really losing anything as long as your lenses are designed. OK, uh, you know, as long as you can just get closer, you get a better effect and you don't have to make performance super crazy. So. I, I like that it's like a small incremental improvement, but it's it's one that makes sense. So Yeah, the um the other thing as well, like um just comparing it to the Pimax and <laughs> what one of the things that's always bothered me a little bit with the Pimax is the fact that you've got these these canted displays and yet more or less horizontal lenses. Not entirely, they do curve around slightly. And the the fact is that when when Valve uh, posted uh, something on their website about the field of view and how it can make the the 
more you can't the displays, uh, it can make it a problem for distortion, that kind of stuff. And what they're doing with the index is they're not only canting the displays by five degrees, they're also canting the lenses as well. And I think that sort of mitigates the calculations or the algorithms they need to make to correct for distortion or something like that. But the, um, this is one of the things I have. I have a problem with the Pimax in terms of distortion. Everybody knows. I think overall, I, I like the headset. And if you can ignore the distortion or mitigate it using various methods, then that's great. But the, I don't see that as being like these two displays, which are so, uh, sort of, uh, they're, they're canted so much and having the relatively, uh, parallel lenses is being a good solution for wide field of view going forward and I, w I would love a better you know with hearing about like Samsung uh, Samsung doing the curved displays and stuff like that eventually I suppose once the algorithms get get to the point where they can cope with that kind of stuff maybe we'll get a better a better overall solution to this wide field of view problem that people are saying Hey, quick question. Since you're on the subject of Pimax, maybe Steve can speak to what is he going to do with his Pimax? Is there anything like the Pimax is the only thing the Pimax has over Valve Index is that extra FOV or is there anything else about the Pimax that would give it an advantage? The other area of advantage that I give to the Pimax is the glare. The, the 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 glare in the Pimax is so much lower than um, what's in the index, and and really at this point it's the index. I I can can give up. Oh crap! I'm I'm muted. <laughs> um, technical problem. Sorry, I was muted. Everyone's going to tell me in a couple seconds. Um, but the 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 Pimax, um, the advantage the Pimax has is glare, and the. Um, the the glare is is the a big problem in the index for me because I can compare it to the the Pimax so it, it stands out. Um, I can give up the foe. so I, I don't have an answer on on whether or not I'm going to get rid of the um, of the Pimax and keep the index or get rid of the index. I'm definitely going to get rid of one, so we'll we'll see where that goes. Um, what about the build quality factor, though? Because like that's what MR MRTV was like. Man, the build quality of the Index compared to the Pimax is like two completely opposite ends of the scale. For sure, the the build quality of the Index. Uh, I think I said at the jump of the show, I said that the uh, the Index is kind of like a BMW. A couple months ago, I described the. I said the Rift is like the minivan, and the Pimax was like a um, a a. Trans Am or, or like, like a souped up where like everyone had that guy in their neighborhood. He, he had a mullet and he drank Miller Lite and, you know, he had a fast Trans Am, right? Like that's kind of where the Pimax is like in a, in a, in a, in a race, it's going to beat the BMW. Like, like in a race, it's going to come across the finish line faster than the BMW. Um, but it's a like the BMW just sure feels a lot nicer. It's more polished. It it's you feel good sitting in the BMW. I used to have a BMW. You feel good sitting in it. Um, and it maybe it doesn't matter that the Trans Am can go across the finish line first um, because everything else is better about the index. And that's kind of how I feel here. Um, so that's just it's it's hard to decide. Sometimes I'm like I want to go fast. Speaking of comfort, I want to know, like, give me the breakdown on comfort on this thing. It has like a very, you know, Vibe Deluxe audio strap vibe to it and like how it's like, you know, clams to your face like that. I think that's probably the most comfortable design I've, I've ever experienced, like that kind of, 
you know, pressing of the, the HMD on your face, I think it takes the load off pretty well. So how is it on the index? Yeah, it's awesome. Um, I think this is, it is one of the most uh, comfortable. I, I, you know, I think, again, this is very subjective because when I go back to the CV1, if I, if I use the CV1, then I thought that was a really comfortable headset anyway. Um, I know some people didn't think that way, but for me, the Valve Index is without a doubt probably at least equal to the CV1, um, or more so in terms of overall comfort. And it's to do with the, um, the fabric they're using, but also just the, 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 the way they've balanced the weight on it because it's, it's one of the heaviest headsets. I was watching a uh, Voodoo DE earlier on and he sort of did a, a really good video about the comparison between an index compared to, uh, other, uh, VR headsets. And he was, he, he said, you know, this is the heaviest one, but the way it feels on your head, it didn't even, uh, factor in into my impressions at all. It, it just, I, didn't notice it. I didn't notice it as being the heaviest headset. It felt, it feels comfortable. I've worn it for probably about an hour and a half in one go so far. Um, so, and I had no problems with comfort at all. Uh, yeah. Hey, Gary, are you doing a ceiling thing now with your wire? Yeah. So, um, <laughs> no, only I've got those, uh, things there. That, 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 so I've run the wire through the, uh, extendable things. I'll show you these. I've got one somewhere. Here. There we go. It's one of these things. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, so I run, I run the wire through that, um, and just it helps when I'm playing things like Elite Dangerous on seated experiences. So I could, the wire can come straight down, um, but also I run it just over the top. But these things, I've got to say, you know, these extendable clips that you have, they're not a, a great solution overall. It's not like you still feel it pulling on your head whenever you move down or something like that. They're not an overall great solution. They're not a, a, a substitute for wireless by any means, but yeah. Okay. Uh, move on finally. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's have a look. So we've gone through some of these things anyway, that we've all already wanted to mention. I think uh, revive was our next. We're yeah. going to get into revive. Yes, yeah, so Revive. So I tried a few titles with this. The first one I went into was Brass Tactics, and this is probably more down to... Um so, uh, like my initial experience with it was with it wasn't great, honestly. Um, it was due mainly to the fact that you can't even rest your fingers on the the grip section of the Valve Index controllers without uh, activating what they uh, what the game recognizes as grip some games do so when you use revive you don't necessarily need to keep your fingers entirely off the the grip section of the index controllers you need to hold them and then press a little bit harder and that will activate them then in brass tactics it didn't work like that so whenever your fingers touched the grip section it was like it was anchoring the table when you and it wanted to move you around the table so that wasn't a great experience really with brass tactics overall but but since then, I've tried a few other titles in Revive, and they've been pretty much flawless um, and a much better experience than using Vive ones, that's for sure. Um, but they're probably still not quite, obviously, they're not quite up to par with the, the touch controllers. But overall, I was pretty impressed, apart from a few little things, really. And I've only tried three or four Revive titles. What are your thoughts, Steve? Um, I haven't done too much. I did Lucky's Tale, which doesn't use Knuckles, so it, it translated um, at least 
visually and sound wise to the headset fine um, outside of Lucky's animations that I mentioned earlier. Uh, Robo Recall uh, played okay. Um, it, it wasn't as touchy as you described in Brass Tactics, um, and I had to actually squeeze to to pick up the guns. It was a very, it was a more conscious grab whereas i think um before we're, we're just used to just clicking the little grab button and it becomes second nature in brass tactics was that brass no ro- robo recall oh okay yeah yeah and 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 robo recall i was grabbing the pistols and i was having to give them a squeeze so some people may feel that's more immersive um and and throwing worked um it, it takes some getting used to because you're not used to just letting go of your controller without feeling like it's going to put a hole in the wall um but but that did work as advertised it still has the same sort of uh physics problem that that vr has like and i think we've all experienced it when you throw something you know you try to release it at the right time and sometimes you're trying to throw it that way and it ends up going that way or whatever like I don't know that Knuckles is going to solve that. Uh, I'd hope that it would, but it's still got to be, you know, things taking off like a rocket, even though you didn't throw them that hard (laughs) and stuff like that. Um, But um, Revive, one game that just wouldn't load was Windlands 2. And at one point it worked with Revive because I played played Windlands 2 on my Pimax with the the Wands. And I've also played Windlands 2 on my um, Odyssey. Uh, before I sold it. So I, for some reason, Windlands 2, and I tried more than once, and I tried uh, even rebooting my PC. So uh, something's going on there. When I click revive and uh, did update, uh, it said no update available. Um, I, I, I didn't look. I need to go look and see when this update, the, the last version of revive was, was sent out. Um, but I think that there may be some revive work that will, will make the knuckles translation experience, um, better when it comes to gripping and things like that. Um, but the button map in the AB, the thumbstick that all translates so much better. I think right now today, um, the, the, the revive experience is better than the wand experience um, was using a Vive or or another controller. Um, There's work to be done. And I think, you know, the people working on revive will, will, will sort that out. Um, You know, but I I think, I think we're going to find that we'll be able to play a lot more Oculus stuff um, with these knuckles and have a better time than we did with the Vive wands. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, well, I guess that can sort of wrap up our overall impressions. I'm sure we'll have more to say next week about the index anyway. Um, but we, we've got a few other things we want to get into here. So the, the first one, I don't know, Chris, Anthony, did you see this video for the Valve Index launch party? It was only like a short little video that somebody posted. Um, but they did say in this uh, video about the, uh, well, Gabe Newell said that they are working on some kind of untethered index, alluding to some kind of wireless solution for the index. Hopefully, um, Chris, what, what did did you see this video? I, I saw some of it, but man, he didn't have a mic and you couldn't hear him at all. Yeah, like I was, yeah. you know, I had my speakers all the way up. I was like, man, I guess I'll just come back to this when I have like headphones in or something, and I, I haven't. But I mean, that's a cool uh, information that they're working on an untethered index. Uh, I just wish uh, Gabe had a mic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he d- doesn't like mics apparently. Anthony, what did you think of this? My biggest takeaway from it is I believe Gabe, for whatever reason, 
he's into VR. Like, I know he yeah. would deny it. Like, if, if you, like, I know he'd say, no, no, you know, I'm not into VR. It's just something we're exploring. But no, he's into VR. I, I really believe he is. And, and I think I, I mean, I'm assuming the reason is, is because as you get older, you know, we've, we've gone through all these video game eras and a lot of people that are really into VR, I think they skew a little bit older because we've seen video gaming, um, transform over all these years. And way back in the days, we thought about virtual reality as this like far, far flung, futuristic dream that we would probably never see in our lifetimes. And now it's actually kind of arrived and it's not where we want it to be, but we can see the glimpses of it. And I think older people that have seen the Atari 2600, you know, I mean, they've been through the entire gamut of everything. I think there's an excitement about this. And um, I think Gabe has the excitement. So that's great to have like, I'm, and it might not stay forever. And if, if the finances don't work out and if they don't sell enough of these things and, you know, when they release their games, you know, he mentioned art, <laughs> he mentioned artifact, you know, artifact made way for this game and artifact didn't really do anything Gabe, as far as we know. But, um, yeah, I'm still curious about the upcoming games they got. And like, you know, it was funny, um, Steve was saying something about how Valve, you know, I hope Valve, le- I forget what he was mentioning, but the thing that I'm worried about is I hope Valve gets over the idea of teleportation, you know, because remember three years or so ago, it was all about teleportation. Like people couldn't get their VRC legs and and like a lot of people at Valve were saying, oh, you don't you don't get used to VR like you don't know. And, and we do overcome it. You do overcome the motion sickness stuff. And so I really hope like when they were designing those games, I hope they pivoted towards free locomotion a long time ago. Cause I'm slightly worried about these grand experiences they got coming. Yeah. I think it was uh, Chet Falisek who's uh, said that you, you, there's no such thing as VR legs. Uh, it just, it's good design or bad design. Steve, what did you I will say that? the aperture uh, lab thing uh, conveniently was teleport only. It was, yeah, uh-huh. that's true, yeah. Uh, so, like, and and yeah, everything else Cloudhead has done hasn't been teleport based. So, it almost and purely just kind of speculating here, just in the moment, um, nothing scripted. It was that perhaps they were directed. Cloudhead was directed to make a teleport based experience. Um, about this, like, there, there's not much here. Like, first of all, it was interesting that he denied. Uh, or declined a mic when he clearly needed one because we we couldn't hear him uh, hardly at all. Um, I did have to crank the sound up and uh, could make out most of what he said. Uh, I'd hope that the internet being what it is, that some dork somewhere would have transcribed it word for word. Maybe they have. I just haven't seen it. Um, But uh, one thing he said that that really stood out was he made a joke to um, a title on a mountain, which I assume is Half-Life 3. But then he also said the word untethered index. He did not say wireless. He did not say standalone. He said untethered. And my first reaction to that was, oh, he's just talking about some sort of wireless module for the index. And then I think on a little more, did he somehow mean some sort of like quest standalone? Uh, and, and I don't yeah. know. I'm just curious. I don't think so either, but I, it, untethered is an interesting choice of word, right? So, yeah. um, as opposed to saying wireless, like um, so, I just I wonder if some people the takeaway, like I'm like ninety nine point nine to zero point zero one that he means wireless, but there's a sliver that 
did he mean something else? Um, but it's yeah. interesting if, if he does. And, and with it, that is a big, you know, going back to Pimax comparison, the, the index having wireless capability, like I want wireless again, I had it with the TP cast. Um, so I would love the, the, um, this would make my decision between it and the Pimax easier if I felt that wireless um, wasn't some distant valve five years from now roadmap, but in the more immediate future. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, just before we move on from Index, just very quickly, I do want to get into um, some Elite Dangerous Impressions because I tried that. And um, it's one of the ones that I was, uh, I, I sort of alluded to it earlier about the glare and the God rays and that kind of stuff with the Index. But with Elite, just to put everybody's mind at rest from my point of view i had no problems with the glare in elite it didn't bother me anywhere close to the amount that the cv1 the god rays uh bothered me uh in that game so i i, I feel really like the glare and the god rays argument with this in it, it varies from person to person it varies from game to game and what steve you were saying earlier about how when you see some of the glare in certain scenes you think this is going to translate really badly to elite and that was my expectation going in but it really didn't didn't happen um so elite in the index is really really good um have you got any just final thoughts on the index steve before we move on to the other news story we've got um, I can just recap. I, first of all, I agree. Elite was surprisingly better than I was thinking it was going to be from a glare perspective. And uh, luckily, when I booted the game up, I was in my Diamondback Explorer, which is a ship I haven't used as much. But it's my favorite ship in VR because of the all glass panels all around. And, and the view was was really good in the index. So that was great. Um, but but high level takeaways, the index is a very, very good product. It's an enthusiast aimed product that comes at an enthusiast price tag um but i like the headset a lot there's there's not that much to complain about uh, the two being issues with the knuckles controllers and the glare um both are big things uh, the glare being the biggest for me at, the, at this moment um but um no headsets perfect um if we want a perfect headset that does all the stuff we have to pay five grand or whatever it is for an x um unit or something like that so uh in the consumer range i'm very pleased with the the index as a whole yep Okay, well, let's get on to this final little news story that came out this past week. And it, this might be HTC trying to take some of the shine away from the uh, Valve Index launch, maybe. I don't know. Uh, but they did reveal some more specs on the Vive Cosmos. And it turns out, so again, they're sort of giving away very little with this overall. But the specs that we got out were that they are having a 1440 by 1700 per eye resolution. It's still sticking to the 90 hertz refresh rate and it's got a LCD panel using the RGB stripe. Um, the... Like the 90 hertz refresh rate, I suppose they're sort of putting this on there and, and, and sort of saying it. We still don't really know what the Cosmos is. Is it a, a tethered VR headset which can be paired with a mobile phone? Is it a standalone or can it uh, some kind of... Is, it, is there some kind of parity between the Quest and the uh, Cosmos or something like that? Can it be used in that way? We still don't know too many details on this. And I suppose the main thought for me is that the marketing for this and the reveal, overall the reveal of it, seems really strange. It's like they're not quite ready to reveal everything about this headset, but they feel the need to push certain information out there to um, just to stay, I suppose, relevant maybe. I don't, I don't know. Um, Chris, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, it kind of feels like they don't 
know what the final design is, but they like are like, okay, we're confirming, we're gonna have this resolution. And like, all right, let's post it. <laughs> it's probably not what actually is happening, but it's just what it it feels like, you know, seeing all this stuff. Uh, but you know, my impressions of the resolution, everything, I think like. Just based on that, that seems really good. You know, 90 hertz refresh rate. We're not lowering to 80, which is awesome. And then it also has 32% more pixels uh, than Rift S. So I think that's a pretty decent upgrade. Um, now, with that being said, like, it's not going to be worth $800 or, you know, $700, I don't think. Like, maybe if it was, like, 500 or something, I think, you know, that would be a really big... Uh, big reason to to get one if you're in the market for that cheaper vr headset it seems like they're trying to make a product that isn't is less enthusiast more mainstream you know with the cameras and and everything the inside out tracking it, it just all seems to point to that direction but htc isn't the company that does that so it's going to be weird to see what this price is i think that's probably the biggest thing because it's probably going to have an overblown price that doesn't make sense for the product, and then you might as well get an index. Maybe That's probably what's going to happen, which would suck. But hopefully, we're going to get a decent-priced headset that can compete with Rift S, because really, there's nothing in that price bracket. It's a good point to bring up, because HTC uh, sort of historically have been known, over at least over the last couple of years, been known for sort of targeting business-to-business -business or more um, sort of industrial kind of applications for their headsets. But with this one, they are definitely marketing it more to the the, the consumers and the enthusiasts, I suppose. Um, Anthony, with this headset, does it excite you? Is there anything with this these specs that are being revealed that excites you overall? No, if anything, all the excitement got let out of the room. You know, the balloon basically got popped. I mean, for me, it was all about 2160 by 2160. I'm still very much excited to try a headset that has that kind of resolution. But the problem is, is they're all Windows Mixed Reality headsets and they all have the crappy controllers they all have windows mixed reality version 1.0 and so all of that seems like it's a non-starter like i'm uh you know you're just not gonna it's the the trade-offs are too much there and the hope with vive cosmos was okay we get a 2160 headset and they actually have halfway decent controllers and they have these extra cameras so maybe the inside out will actually be a little bit better and then now we find we find out about this like bizarre resolution with a hundred extra line. Like, where did they even get these screens? Uh, you know, it's it's kind of bizarre world. But yeah, I mean, is there? My question would be actually for you guys. My question is: Is there any hidden thing about this headset that could make it exciting for you? Like eye tracking? I mean, I, I don't know what what it could have that could change it for me. Uh, Steve, what are your thoughts on that question? I, um, I I don't know what it would take to get me interested in one. Um, I maybe if they do something really cool with some sort of standalone capability tethered to a phone, um, that would make it stand out. Um, and then price, like uh, it's possible that this could be a better experience than the Rift S, um, but that that's only valid if it's close to the close-ish to the Rift S in price. Um, if it's Eight ninety nine for the the thing, um, then you're going to compare it more to the index, and I, I, I have a hard time believing it's going to be a better experience than the index. Um, 
So um, it, it looks like it could be caught in the middle, like with no identity on either end. Like I like the index better than the Rift S, but the Rift S at least has an identity as being the economical headset and being subsidized by Oculus and all that. That is its identity. Whereas the Cosmos looks like it might be caught in between, maybe with bad sides of both ends. Like it has the the limitations similar to the Rift S. Uh, maybe they they stick with the poor uh, lenses that the Vive Pro carried over from the Vive um, while having the price of the index. So um, it really, we just got to know the rest to see if it's going to have any opportunity. And then we also have to keep in mind that that uh, HTC is catering a lot to the Chinese market. The Chinese people are not buying Rift S's. They're probably not buying indexes. So this is a product that they may really, that whole big giant market over there may be really excited for. Yeah, yeah, good point. Okay, uh, well, that's pretty much all we've got for this week. Um, again, we'll probably go into some more uh, further impressions with uh, the index next week, just uh, just see how we're getting on with that. But we won't spend quite so much time on that uh, next week, of course. Um, but thank you to for joining us. Um, I did mention an announcement at the beginning of the show, and what it is we've we've been doing VR roundtable for nearly three years now and um you know it's a little bit of a commitment it's not too much but it's a little bit of a commitment week on week to do this kind of stuff and we enjoy doing it we enjoy talking to the community uh we enjoy talking to each other about VR on a weekly basis but we are planning on well we are definitely going to be having a, a break at the very least. So we're going to have a show next week. And then after that, we're going on sort of a hiatus for uh, a month or two, well, a couple of months at least, probably end of September, early October, we'll be back. And we'll be doing another show. There will be one more show that we're going to do. Um, but we don't know what we're going to do after that. Um, so this might be sound like a, a little bit of bad news, but I, I really don't want it to feel like that to all of the viewers or the listeners that are, that are having this because that are listening to this because there is so there, there are a lot of other shows that are going on at the moment. There's a lot of other podcasts, a lot of other VR shows, and when we first started this, we, there wasn't too many other things that were doing what we were doing. Um, VR Spies was sort of an inspiration for me personally because I, I love those guys. I love VR Spies, and we sort of did our own thing for a while, and then since then there's been a lot of other stuff coming out and it's difficult to keep on top of every little thing that goes on um but we this shouldn't be like a bad this isn't bad news we're going to be here next week and then we're definitely coming back for at least one more show beyond that we're going to sort of make up our mind then uh what's going on and this wasn't prepared I, I we we only decided we we're going to announce this 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 uh just before the show started so i apologize if this is not coming out quite quite well but um is anybody got any, any thoughts on this at all? Uh, I mean, I, I can only just give my own personal thoughts. Is um, Mame fan just said in, in chat they have kids and games to play. Um, the show only takes a couple hours to do when when we're recording and going live, um, but the burden is is heavier than that. Than you know, um, it's it's this 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 conscious thing that's kind of it's it's a little bit like a job. Um, I, I enjoy it. Um, I imagine it's 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 a little bit like an athlete. They probably enjoy playing in the football games and in the basketball games, but they got to train all week and they got to do a lot of off-camera stuff and 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 that's where it is it, it is a um 
I've described it. We've we've talked about this for several weeks, us internally, and um, I've I've described it as like I feel like we've already had some success and. Um, nothing's permanent like you know we can't do vr roundtable to the year 2080 like so um defining just sort of what we want to do so we we decided as a team here that uh, we're going to take a long hiatus and and just kind of see where we stand um we we'll we'll come back we're promising you two more shows we're going to do a show next week and then we're going to do a show when we come back the four of us so nothing's going to change um but at that point we may decide to bring on more people um some of us may decide not to come back you know maybe the show doesn't come back after that point but we're guaranteeing you at least two more episodes of vr roundtable and we're guaranteeing a change of some sort, um, you know, at a big level. And um, it's not a bad thing, you know, yet that we can define. It's just it's kind of where where it is and, 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 and the way the path takes um, people. So um, yeah. that's really I kind of just wanted to put my own words on it. But, um, yep. So we'll see everybody next week. Let's end happy. Valve Index is great. And um, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all next week. Yeah.